Today, we're gonna to talk about connecting with one another. When God describes how the church is to function, he uses the body. We are the body of Christ. That means we're connected, just as a physical body has parts that are connected. In fact, the parts can only work properly if they are connected. <laughs> the only place where a disconnected body part works is in a horror film. And we are not supposed to be horrific. We're supposed to be this alive expression of our head, Jesus Christ, relating to one another as he relates to us. It is absolutely critical in the heart and mind and plan of God that you and I are connected as part of the family of God to experience more of God. If you're a disconnected believer, you're gonna experience less of God because you are not tied to his children, your siblings. That's why the local church is so critical and your engagement with it so important. So let's go and find out what body life ought to look like, feel like, and how it ought to function when we are properly connected with him, reflected in our connection with one another. Well, we are talking about the horizontal Jesus. We're talking about what it looks like when our vertical relationship with God gets connected with our horizontal relationship with others and why that matters not only to God, but why it matters to us. A man one day went to a church and he asked the pastor for some financial help. He said, I don't have any money, I need some financial help, I have an emergency situation, would you help me? Well, the pastor said, well, which church are you a part of? The man said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the invisible church. The pastor said, well, here's some invisible money to minister to you as you are a part of the invisible church. It's amazing that people want the church for what it can do for them but rarely, unfortunately, for not, not for what it can do through them for the benefit of others. God has so worked this thing that what he does and how he relates to us vertically is intimately tied to how we are connected horizontally. You know, people are connected today in a whole lot of ways. There's the internet, there's... Uh, their chat rooms, uh, technology has made people being able to be connected through communication very quick, very fast, and very easy. And the reason that social media is taking off is because it becomes a way, a form of connectivity where people can talk very quickly and interact very intimately. In fact, it can be even dangerous in its use. But the principle of it, being able to connect people was really birthed by God himself. His whole nature is a nature of connectivity. God is the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has never known what it's like to be alone because the Trinity, that is one God, composed of three co-equal persons who are one in essence and yet distinct in personality, is his nature. And so God has called us into a community, a community of people who are to relate to him 
and to see that relationship worked out in one another. And he has a nickname for the church. He has a special name when he wants to give this concept of connectivity that would be the defining name of this group of people who make up this entity called the church, and that is the word body. We're called the body of Christ. He chose the word body because the word body gave a living, breathing illustration of what the family of God is to look like and how the family of God is to function. And that's why 1 Corinthians 12 is so critical as a passage of scripture. Some 13 times the word body is used to explain how the church ought to work and how the church ought to function. He uses it over and over and over and over and over again in this passage to show the connectivity of the church, to show connecting with one another. And so we want to talk about this thing called connectivity using what he uses throughout this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, the cruciality of the body. Now we're all familiar with Frankenstein. He was a monster. He had been created and he was anatomically correct with no life. Well, God just doesn't want an organizational structure called church. He wants a place where life is pulsating, where, where the function doesn't become an end of, end of itself, but the function is creating life, spiritual life among people. And so he comes in 1 Corinthians 12 and introduces us to the body. If I were to take a summary verse, it would be verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. I love that because he says you are Christ's body, but you don't you lose your uniqueness in the process. That God is not asking all body parts to be the same. He's just asking the different body parts to work together to accomplish what the one body is supposed to be. And so the concept of body, that is the life-giving, pulsating reality of the church, is supposed to be what the church is all about. Your salvation and mind is personal. You're saved as an individual. But once you are saved, it is no longer private. You are saved into a community. It's our father who art in heaven, not just my daddy who is in heaven. I remember when this unnamed daughter of mine, uh, uh, she was for a long time as the oldest child, uh, she was the lone ranger of children. There were no other children. And then it happened. Another child was introduced to the Evans household. Uh, this second child was brought home, a second daughter, and uh, on one occasion, a few days after the second child was brought home, the first child, who will remain unnamed, <laughs> went over to the crib and slapped the newborn baby <laughs> we had just brought home. See, I got somebody here that knows what I'm talking about. Actually slapped. This is a newborn baby. 
because she was upset that the newborn baby was getting all this attention that she had held alone for herself. The second child is still recovering from that slap. But it shows how selfish you can be by making your salvation that's personal also private and not leave room for care for others. That's why another verse is so absolutely critical because when he talks about this, he says that verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Here we are, the one another's. The connectivity ought to produce caring. It ought to produce the fact that the other members of this family, the spiritual family of God, like in a nuclear family or an extended family, care about each other. People don't just want to know how much we know. They also need to see how much we care. And when what we know about God shows up in how we care about them in a responsible way, now the church is not Frankenstein, just a functional uh, entity. It is a life-giving reality. And that's why the one another's of scripture are so absolutely critical. He says, we are Christ's body. You and I have one body, one physical frame. But this one physical frame is made up of many different parts. And all the different parts have a unique function. First of all, let me say a word about the unity of the body. He will say in verse four, now there's various gifts, but the same spirit. Verse five, there are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. He says in verse eight, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by the one spirit. You see over and over again that there is to be unity in the midst of diversity. God is not asking me to be you or you to be me. He's asking for all to be one body. That is the unity of the church being reflected in the manifestations of the different body parts. In fact, he goes into that when he says in verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less part of the body? In other words, he says, a body has different parts, but all the parts matter. And when something goes wrong with one part, it affects the other part because in a body, parts are connected. There's only one place you will find a disconnected body part functioning, and that's in a horror movie. <laughs> Anybody remember the Adams Family and the thing, you know, the hand that walked all around, okay? Because it was a monster movie. Unfortunately, Many churches are monster organizations because you've got disconnected body parts. People who are not connected, but they want the identification and that produces a monstrosity. 
not a living, breathing, life-giving organization that is an organism. That is, that is producing life because they are attached. This is where we get the concept of membership from, church membership, members of the body. My hand is a member of my body because it is formally attached. It's not casually attached. It's not just hanging out here because it has nowhere to go. There is a formal connection. In fact, church membership is the decision to be identified and functionally involved with another group of believers who are all learning together to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So when people say, well, do I need to be a member of a church? Well, not to go to heaven, no. You have to accept Christ for that. But to experience the life of Christ on earth, you have to be attached. Does my hand have to be attached to be a hand? No, but if it expects to work, it needs to be attached, all right? Uh, so it is attachment. Now, attachment automatically brings accountability. See, my hand can only be my hand because it is accountable to my arm. If my hand wants to grab something, but my arm is not into it, if my, if my hand says, I want to grab this glass, and my arm says, I don't, I don't feel like glass today. I don't feel like glass. My mouth says, I want a glass of water to drink. My hand says, well, I'm trying to get you this glass, but the arm doesn't feel like getting into the glass. So you're going you gonna to be parched because we're not going to get there because there is a division in the body. The body parts aren't cooperating with anyone. We call this church fights, okay? When body parts are not on the same page, which he says is a spiritual problem because you're not operating by the same spirit. In other words, you're not on the same spiritual page. That's why one of the chief jobs of church leadership is to get the people on the same page so that there would be one body and not disjointed body parts. I remember one time I was walking and as I was walking, I, 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 uh, have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and misjudged the edge of the bed? Uh, you thought you knew everything was, so you didn't turn on the light and uh, you were getting out of the bed and you misjudged and you, and you caught your pinky toe. The, the, not, not the big one, that can absorb a little bit, but the pinky toe, I'm talking about the little toe. And you hit the little toe. Now, you hit one of the smallest parts of the body. The, of the visible physical frame, it doesn't get my, I mean, the, 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 the pinky toe is, is, uh, is smaller than the pinky finger. I mean, so it's little toe. But if I want to tell you that my whole body got involved in that, you know, so I'm, I'm getting up and I'm walking. I hit my pinky toe. The nerve in my toe sent a message to my brain. And the message from my toe sent through the nerve to my brain was, I'm hurting down here, I'm hurting down here. Would you inform my mouth to let everybody else know I'm hurting down here? So my brain told my mouth to express, because my toe couldn't talk, but, but it, told, it told my mouth to express how my toe was feeling. So I went, ah, okay, okay. Then my brain sent a signal 
to my right arm to inform, uh, to my left arm to inform my left hand to grab my right pinky toe because it needed some comfort and some care and some rub. It then simultaneously informed my left leg to get ready because my right foot was coming off the floor and you're going to have to hold all this weight by your lonesome self because uh, of the pain of one body part. So even though it was the smallest part of the body, it brought the whole body together in order to care for something that would be viewed from a size standpoint very insignificant. You see why he uses body? Because our body brings in responsibility, accountability, and care because it's alive. It's a life-giving reality. So he calls on us to care for one another. Cancer is a, is a grave disease. Uh, we all are, are, are know people who have struggled with this disease that invades our bodies. Let me talk about that disease as it relates to this principle. Cancer are cells who don't want to go with the program. They are rebellious cells that break off to do their own thing. Now, I wouldn't mind if it would do its own thing outside of my body. But the problem with a cancer cell is it wants to do its own thing and stay in your body. But not only does it want to do its own thing and stay in your body, it wants to do its own thing, stay in your body, and then reproduce after its own kind. So it wants to get its own small group. Okay? It wants to get its own small group that's cancerous. Okay? So now we've gone from a rebellious cell to a lump. Okay? So there is a growth that has taken place, but it is a growth of rebellion that wants to be in the body without being part of the body, contributing to the care to the body. Even that wouldn't be so bad, except that the cancer cell decides to go on tour and to tour other parts of the body. We call that metastasizing, where it wants to break off and start new small groups within the body with a rebellious attitude. And so when it spreads, you know the goal ultimately of unchecked cancer is to destroy the body. It is to destroy the body. It starts off as an individual cell. It builds a community of a lump. It takes a tour in order to shut the body down. That's why the Bible tells us to, to watch out for people who cause division. Okay, now some things you have to divide over because they're right versus wrong. But to cause division because it is destructive to the body. It even tells us to remove them so that the body lives. Because you cannot allow the body to be destroyed by spiritual cancerous Christians even. And so this body concept is deep. This body concept is rich because it deals with this concept of us being unified. The thing that unifies the body is the life source. 
The thing that unifies the church is the spirit. That's why he says, same spirit, same spirit, same spirit. When you go to um, uh, an orchestra and see an orchestra playing, the orchestra uh, has various instruments. The different instruments uh, have a unique part to play in the orchestration of whatever the music is. If you've ever gone to hear them before they've begun to, to, to play their music, they have this different sounds coming from every direction as they're warming up. There's no harmony in the ministry of the music because they are practicing in preparation for a presentation. So they're practicing this, practicing that, practicing this over here. Until the conductor comes out. The conductor comes out, brings out his wand, hits his wand, raises his wand, and all of a sudden what sounded disjointed now comes together. Different instruments, different parts of the song, Ah, oh, but a beautiful sound because they're only playing one song. They're playing one song with different parts, but they're following one master, the conductor, who's bringing them all together. You and I are different, different backgrounds. The people you minister to are different. They have different histories, different difficulties, different challenges. But your job as a small lead, group leader, your job as a person who's ministering is to bring out the one. And that's the spirit of Christ and to turn disjointed sounds into a harmonious, cooperative sound of beauty. That's what a conductor does. That's what a football team does. A football team has only one goal line. It only has one goal line. Now, there are enemies out there trying to keep it from getting to that goal line. But they're pushing forward to get to that goal line, and there's only one. But there are 11 men on the field who have different parts to play, but each part is designed toward one goal. It is the job of the quarterback to lead the team toward the goal. If the halfback says, I don't feel like carrying the ball right now. If the wide receiver says, I ain't in the catching right now, just, just catching it, and that's not, not my mood. If the quarterback decides, um, you know, I, I ain't calling no play right now, I'm tired. Uh, they're not going to reach the goal. But when everyone plays the part that they've been given and they play it well, and they're on the same team, then they're headed toward the same goal. Now you get the score. That's why the enemy spends so much, so much time dividing us as families, dividing us as Christians across racial lines, cultural lines, class lines, personality lines. He wants to keep the division there so we don't score. He does not want us to cross the goal line of scoring touchdowns for the kingdom of God, of seeing God advance his cause in our midst. I have a little problem uh, every, every summer or spring on my lawn, and some of you do too, ant mounds, ant mounds. These ant mounds are ants building their kingdom on my property. <laughs> These are ants building, and it is a kingdom because they're serving a queen. There's this, this queen, and I haven't met that sister yet, but I, I, I want to I meet this sister sometime. There, there's this queen down there, and there are thousands of ants serving her. 
And as these thousands of ants serving her, they build this mound on my lawn. Evidently, they have a, a very strategic communication system because they're talking to somebody else who's building another mound on my lawn elsewhere. And then they dare you to step on it. They will dare you to step on it because they will bite the living, the red ants, they will bite the living daylights out of you because you are interfering with their unity and their service to their queen. When we are the body of Christ, we don't allow folk to interfere with the unity of what we are building to represent the kingdom of God or to disturb the glory of God, our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us to do that as an extended spiritual family in unity that are building the program of God. Now he wants you to know in this process that every body part matters. He says about the foot, it matters. He says in verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. In fact, he says, on the contrary, verse 22, it is much truer that the members of the total body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we deem less honorable on these we bestow more abundant honor. He says every body part matters. That's why there are no insignificant Christians and there should be no insignificant members. Sometimes we play to the big names. Sometimes we play to the, the, the folks who get the most honor because they have the most notoriety, the most money, the most influence. And we, we cater to that as though the widow or the person who's unknown does not matter. Uh, you, you, you rarely see at our church and most churches the person who handles and keeps the air conditioning running. But let it be a hot summer day in Texas and that person not show up and something go wrong and you having to do extra fanning in the service, you're going to be fussing and complaining. It's hot in here because that unseen person was missing. He says every member is important. Every member matters. And that's why we ought to have the same care for every member. It shouldn't be that we... We, we, we help the big names and ignore the small names because guess what? In God's family, there are no small names. In God's family, there, there are no minorities. In God's family, there are no insignificant Christians. Now, how one behaves may affect how we relate to them, but it's not because they don't matter. It's because their behavior is wrong, not because they, don't, they themselves are insignificant. So it is absolutely critical now with the one another's of scripture that we are connected. It is an anomaly for a Christian to say, I am not a functional part of a local church. That is an anomaly. That would be unheard of. First John chapter 2, 19 says that they left us because they were not part of us. There would be no thought. The Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, the body grows by that which every joint supplies. So every joint is supposed to be making a contribution so that this body continues to grow, not only numerically, but even more important, spiritually, that we're growing deeper in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Many of us have been on cruises. 
on cruises, they do everything for you. I, you know, I love me a cruise. I love me a cruise. Once you get on that boat, before you get on that boat, they got the luggage. They take the luggage up. They put it in your room. First thing you want to do is find out what they got to eat. Okay? And they will serve you 24 hours a day in some form or fashion. You ask for something, they will do it. Uh, I love a cruise because I don't have to do anything. They do it all for you. A lot of Christians think the church is supposed to be a cruise ship. Okay? Let me cruise on in the church today. Because they're going to sing to me. They're going to preach to me. They're going to minister to me. And they're not going to expect anything from me. I think there's a word for that. It's called leech. A leech sucks your blood. It just doesn't leave you anything beneficial in return. A lot of God's people are leeches. They want the church to minister to them while they are disconnected from having a ministry to others. When we look at the ministry of the church, it's not to first be known by its programs. It is to first be known by its relationships. It's not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And there's a fundamental difference between a battleship and a cruise ship. On a battleship, all hands are on deck because you're fighting an enemy who wants to destroy you. We're in a spiritual war and the enemy is out there to ruin our lives, to ruin our futures, to destroy our families. He's out there to do us in. And if all you do is cruise, you won't even see it when it comes to destroy you. But if all hands are on deck, we're ready to fight together against a common enemy because we're on a common ship under a common captain doing a common strategy because we are a common body and we are seeking to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you. Amen.